Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. This is Older Americans Month. The number of older Americans continues to grow. With that, issues these seniors face are of increasing importance. Some 35 years ago, an organization was founded here in St. Louis to meet the needs of older citizens and keep them engaged by offering lifelong learning and health promotion and volunteer opportunities. The name is the Oasis Institute, and from that start in St. Louis, Oasis now has chapters in nearly 50 cities. With me in studio are Marilyn Mann, founder of the Oasis Institute, Paul Weiss is its president, and Reverend Roderick Burton is pastor of the New Northside Missionary Baptist Church in Jennings. More than half of his congregation is over the age of 60. Welcome to you all. Nice to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Marilyn, let me begin with you. Who qualifies as older these days? Well, anyone over the age of 50. Ooh. However, I think aging is a state of mind. <laughs> and um, uh, we welcome um, anyone who would like to come and participate, really. But 50 is, uh, is where you say it all yes, starts, huh? Yes, right. and, and when I started the program, it was um, age 65, which uh, coincided with how the um, Administration on Aging qualified folks. Paul, what are the biggest challenges facing this group? Well, I think there are health challenges. Obesity rates are rising dramatically with older adults. They're not as active as they should be. I think you're seeing a growing disparity across uh, ethnic and racial lines in terms of, of access to services. The same as we're seeing, you, you see the changes in, in poverty as is ethnically designated. Their access to services for older adults are similarly there. And I, I think Old, older adults are not seen as enough as a resource. They're seen as a population to be served as opposed to this tremendous resource. Reverend, how does this square with, the, with you and your congregation? Well, I, I certainly agree with uh, Paul, but I believe in the church context, many older adults see it as an opportunity to serve and to be active and be purposeful. And so I, I see... Um, my older adults is a tremendous resource to get ministry done, to serve other people, and in whatever way that we can facilitate that and, and draw others in, that's what we try to do. How do you use them? Oh, boy, you name it. Uh, uh, outreach, uh, 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 naturally feeding people, um, you know, going door to door, phone calls, visiting the sick. Um, but more often than not, many times, it's just being a, a person, a point of contact for the church because one guy, one woman cannot do everything as a pastor. Does this keep them young? Yes, I think it keeps them very much engaged. I think it keeps them their spirits up. They feel purpose, a sense of belonging. Um, so I, it's fantastic. And so I try to, as much as I can, give them opportunities to especially to share their wisdom and knowledge with the younger generation. Marilyn, this is what Oasis is all about, right? It is indeed. Yeah. Yes, and as a matter of fact, Don, um, Oasis was started 36 years ago. The mm -hmm. grant came in uh, in May mm -hmm. of 1982. So it's anniversary time in a sense. It is, uh -huh. it is. Give us a, a little more detail on, on exactly uh, what your programs are. Our programs um, take an approach to an aging person that is three-prong. There's intellectual stimulation, classes in arts and humanities, um, technology. We also have a large segment of our program that deals with uh, living well and, and health. And um, 
the third part of our uh, program is, as we've been speaking of, of, the opportunity to really do something meaningful. I think that's sort of the spiritual part of the program. And what we offer is opportunities to do things that are really enriching and have really meaningful uh, impact on the community, uh, such as our intergenerational tutoring program, where we train people to work with children uh, K through fourth grade uh, who are having problems with reading and language development. Mm. They, they get trained and they spend one hour per week for the entire year. And it, it is amazing how that one-on-one -on -one help not only aids children, but gives such a sense of satisfaction to the tutor slash mentor. Paul, how do you make these opportunities available to the folks? Well, we offer lifelong learning classes through our OASIS centers, um, which operate in St. Louis. We're, our, our hub site is in the center of Clayton, but we operate throughout the metro area with other partners. Recently, the Maryland Heights Community Center is our newest opportunity. Actually, Reverend Burton and I met because I was talking to several clergy leaders about OASIS, and he manages a community center, and we're going to offer classes in his community center for, for the people he serves and the community that surround his church. But we, uh, we produce a catalog. We have a lot of word of mouthing about the things we do. And the intergenerational tutoring program happens with 23 different school districts around St. Louis and nationally in 72 school districts. And really the evangelists for that program are the, the school leadership themselves. I was meeting yesterday with the superintendent, and uh, we make a real impact with their kids, and in turn, they really share our program. Mm -hmm. Reverend, it, it seems to me as an observation that Oftentimes, older people are sort of discounted by the younger generation, and this, this would have to be a problem uh, for a couple of different reasons. How do you see that? I, I, I totally agree with that. I believe that our culture is a youth uh, culture, and it rewards, and it almost just seems like it values the, the experience of youth when we know, contrary to that, there's so much wisdom and knowledge. You're not going to transition. You're not always going to be young, and you're mm. going to grow up at some point. And so what we try to do is uh, to take the wisdom and the knowledge of the older people. And I have a lot of civil rights generation people in my mm -hmm. church, and they saw things the way they used to be, and a lot of that information has to be transmitted. And so if the young people are not hearing those stories, and that's going to die off. Another thing I want to say this about our culture, in the consumer culture, everything's about the now. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't value history, and so a lot of times that's being lost. So I think it's great to have older people sharing their experiences and encouraging and, and just passing on that wisdom, that generational wisdom. How do you see that, Marilyn? I think that it's not only important um, to the younger generation, but it's, it's very important life review to someone who is aging. And I think we have a responsibility not only to transmit um, history and knowledge, but also to serve as role models uh, for younger people. Um, how, do, how do you age? What is uh, the good life? Mm -hmm. uh, is it um, being someplace where you are uh, playing bingo? And as I saw um, many years ago, people gluing bunnies on place bats, low-level low crafts, or is it being vibrant? and learning new skills and actively uh, improving your health and being um, vibrant in, in the community. So I think we, as I said, I think we have a responsibility to model aging and the good life. 
Paul, I'm certain you're going to agree with all of that. There's no question about it. I, I, I do. And, you know, when Marilyn was very far ahead of her time, you know, 30-plus years ago, almost, you know, we were moving towards 40 years ago, she conceived of a need to serve older adults differently. And now there's several organizations that talk about purpose. I was just on a panel um, talking about some recent research done by Encore around purpose in the later years and the effect and the importance of it. And their findings – are they validate what Maryland's model was 36 years ago? And I think there's there is there there's tremendous um, momentum for Oasis. We have 6,100 volunteers, 5,000 of whom are working in schools, and this volunteering that has real purpose is a cornerstone for their lives. What what Maryland? What was it specifically that you saw aside from the making of placemats and that sort of thing that caused you to move in the direction you did? Well, I had a. <clears throat> An invitation from Father Lucius Cervantes. Um, former mayor's brother. That's right. And um, Father Cervantes was head of the Area Agency on Aging. And under the American uh, Act of, uh, I think it was 64, um, these centers were established. And primarily they were established around the free hot lunch program mm-hmm. and some social service advice. And he asked me to spend the day touring these centers. And what I saw was that people were there and getting some very basic needs met. But it sort of hurt my heart to see them participating in low-level crafts and bingo. I know some people just love bingo, but (laughs) in my mind, this was not, uh, this was sort of patronizing. And here were people who had lived productive lives, that had jobs and raised children, and they were being ignored. And I did some research, and in the research, it seemed to me that uh, although demographics were, were just astounding, there was very little in terms of um, really stimulating activities and purposeful things for seniors. In fact, there was nothing. The kind of thing that we've seen today um, attached to to churches like reverends and uh, universities simply did not exist at that time. It seemed to me this was a, not only a population that was being ignored, but also a new frontier in terms of education. Of course, that was my love and my background. Mm-hmm. Reverend, uh, of course, we're living longer now, too, which just sort of exacerbates the problem, doesn't making it more meaningful for people to have a purpose in their day-to-day lives. Right. Well, I want to say that I'm certainly grateful that St. Louis had a pioneer like Maryland Mm -hmm. here and that people are reaping the benefits. Uh, For instance, on that issue about purpose, I had one of my members who had joined the church many, many years ago. He was bedridden. He couldn't get up. And so when I met with him, I just said, would you, uh, Mr. Morris, pray for this leadership team? Mm -hmm. And then I continued to give him a list. And his wife told me, before he transitioned, he felt very empowered, and and that just that alone gave him more meaning mm-hmm. to uh, you know his existence. Mm-hmm. So, what, what have you seen, Marilyn and Paul, with regard to the change in people who uh, come to you and and then begin to become more engaged? Paul, I'll start with you. Well, so I think when we talk about organizations that serve older adults, we think about serving seniors, and we think about sort of the basic needs that seniors have. What Oasis does is it turns that concept on its head. We, we empower older adults who have real capacity to be instruments of social change, to be community health workers and to, to tutor 
and to teach classes and and to become sort of uh, be, become I think instruments for social change who feel empowered and other I think the traditional senior service model undervalues that ability. Correct me if I'm wrong, Marilyn, but it would occur to me that not only is there a a uh, psychological change when someone has something to do and someplace to go every day. Are there physical changes as well? Absolutely. And I think that um, it's the research has proven that people live longer and are healthier if they're engaged. And a very important thing is social contact. And what we do is we build people into communities, whether it's classes around history or art, where they find people who have similar interests, or if it's our all-important health classes, uh, or the volunteer activities. They're engaging, and they have a social group. You know, when I started this program, I had several friends at the medical school who told me that uh, the idea of putting people in classes that would improve their health was useless because, as we know, quote, people really don't change their habits after 60. And we know this is not true now. For instance, if you give someone a diet and they have diabetes, they will go back home and maybe stick to it for a while. But most people will sort of slide off. But if you put people in a group of, of uh, peers who have the similar issues and similar problems, and you keep feeding them new information and options, uh, eating plans, recipes, uh, ways of exercising, they not only improve their health, but they bond into this support group. And I think this is extremely helpful. There might even be a sense of competition in all of that, right? (laughs) Well, yes, that's true, too. (laughs) Have to take a break. We'll do that now and come back and continue our conversation. We're talking about aging America and issues that older uh, people face in our country today. With me in studio are Marilyn Mann uh, and uh, Paul Weiss of the Oasis Institute and also Reverend Roderick Burton, pastor of the New Northside Missionary Baptist Church in Jennings. Back in just a moment. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Welcome back to our conversation about aging America. Reverend, let me come back to you. Uh, with regard to concerns your con- congregants have, what do they worry about? What do they talk to you about that reflects uh, their, their aging, if you will? Uh, naturally, a lot of conversations about their medical issues and their, their personal health, that's always a concern. But I think one of the biggest concerns is they're concerned about the direction of the, the younger community and how they're coming up. And so uh, it allows for a lot of discussion. That's why we continually stress, I've been stressing them to share. So many of them have these rich, Mm -hmm. rich stories of how they've been through so many adversities. And I don't think sometimes people have asked them to, you know, share Mm -hmm. that and pass that on. Mm -hmm. So Marilyn, to share, you have to share it with someone, and that's sometimes an issue as well, that sometimes people of a certain ages uh, are lonely. They, they don't socialize very well. 
Yes, you're so right. And right now, one of the real challenges and concerns that we have in our society is this issue of social isolation. And uh, fortunately, Paul Weiss has come on with this youth and energy and vitality. And he's got some good ideas. But I, I want to say one other thing that I think is important. It's not only do uh, the people who engage in these activities um, reap benefits, but they have such an effect. Again and again, we hear from teachers and principals that our tutors create a completely different atmosphere in the school, that kids are calmer, that there's something about having grandparents around that really makes everyone sort of feel better. Um, we do some programming at Eden Seminary, and Dr. David Greenhaugh, who's become a good friend, says it, it enlivens the school, especially when they hear our chorus practicing. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a double effect. How do you continue that and expand on it, Paul? Well, first, one of the privileges of working in aging and for Oasis is that Marilyn will call me in my 50s a young man. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. It centers me well. Young to me. But, but I, I, I feel like the, what we do at Oasis is we break down barriers that create social isolation. We have men's and women's discussion groups. Our classes are, are by and large, interactive. Um, all of our health work is done in cohorts, as we described earlier. And the cohort itself is interactive. And the, the, whole, the whole concept of Oasis is trying to get older adults engaged with each other and with ideas. Right. Uh, we have a caller here that uh, wants to get into the conversation. My computer is situated in such a way that I can't see who it is. But let's take that call and we'll find out what's... Go ahead. You're on the air. Bill, I guess it is. Yeah. Bill? Go ahead, yeah. Bill. It's a great show. Oasis is a great organization. And... Um, so you mentioned loneliness and isolation, and I know that um, dating and romantic relationships are often <laughs> important to people, even of a certain age. And I think I read recently that there's even a country, I think in Asia, that it's helping to facilitate that among older people because it's not as easy as when we were younger. And so any activity where you're socializing helps that. But I was wondering if you had specific activities focused on... Uh, dating and relationship aspects of being older. Bill, thanks for the call. Reverend, I'm going to give that one to you because you, <laughs> you, you deal with a large group. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> well, we, we do have that in the church, and uh, we can't just always focus singles ministry on certain age, but we do have people that are living longer and they're interested in relationships. And so as we have different events uh, sometimes I do stress that uh, there will be other people there that are single, and then they can join and mix together. But I think the idea of social, in, social isolation is a big piece that what I use my other seniors to reach out. Who are we missing? Who are the blind spots so we don't have that? Marilyn, you want people to socialize at, uh, at an older age? This certainly oh, yes. uh, falls into that category. Well, you know, we haven't mm -hmm. had um, a dating um situation yet, although many people have suggested it. That, that's something Paul might want to get into. But I, we have romances that have formed because people have sure. taken classes together. And something else has happened that's very interesting, and that's communication among couples. And uh, one class that we're, we're doing now and we think has a great future is on facing the end of life and how do you want to end your life and, and the options. And Amazingly enough, I see couples been married for a long time communicating in a way they haven't before 
about this, but I think it'd be interesting to see if Paul wants to have a dating service. So Marilyn and I have talked about this before, so she knows <laughs> she's getting me into trouble. But Bill, I appreciate the question, and I actually have an, a, I do have a tangential answer to this, which is that at Oasis, about 80, 85% of our participants nationwide are women. And so my message is to the man of a certain age that is listening to this and wants to meet a, an, an age-appropriate woman who's interested in learning, is healthy, engages in healthy lifestyles, and is really a, a, vital, a vital young woman at a certain age. If you're a guy, they're all at Oasis. We oh, have what a good we, idea. We, we have thirty seven thousand <laughs> members and it. over thirty thousand of them are women. So if you're a man and you want a high target environment where there's more women <laughs> than men and your odds are better, it's Oasis. Marilyn, how do you like being called a high target environment? A that's, high uh, target, uh, yeah. Well, um, I think that Paul is absolutely right. I'm not a high target. I'm married. <laughs> um, and I'm eighty one. I don't know. That could be a deterrent, but I think I think (laughs) thank you. I think that it's true. We've got some wonderful women, and uh, the men out there uh, really ought to come and take a class. Not only will they learn something, but they'll they'll really have a great social opportunity. Well, there are more more women in that age group because they live longer than men. That's right. right. I think the line that I've always heard is just because there's snow on the roof doesn't mean there isn't fire in the furnace, Paul. Right? So. True. I'm going to use that. I'm going to, I'm going to turn to the Reverend now and bring up something else that, um, that Marilyn alluded to, and that is end-of-life considerations. Yes. I think this is an area where you probably would come in uh, more often than not. Yes, very much so. In the past five years, I've been at or attended or been part of at least 350 funerals. Uh, unfortunately, because of the demographics of our church, we've had to get better at this. And so one of the ways that what we've done is we've enlisted more seniors to reach out so that after the funeral, uh, after the call stop, that people are being checked on and there's communication and, and you know, mm-hmm. care. Yeah. Does Oasis take positions on such things of uh, assisted suicide and that sort of thing, speaking at end of life, uh, or, or do you stay away from controversial issues? Well, I think that what we try to do is have discussion and present all sides of an issue, and that has certainly come up. Uh, the program that we have that's called the Masterpiece of Life, the Last Act, takes a look at what are the options uh, in terms of end of life, uh, hospice and um, uh, palliative care, and really the uh, steps that you need to take to prepare so that the people around you know exactly what your wishes are. And that's sometimes a hard thing to approach. But we talk about we talk about all kinds of options. And what's come up again and again is this issue of assisted suicide. There are places in the world where you can go and places in this country mm-hmm. where you can get that. Uh, and of course, some people are for it and some people are violently opposed to it. But we try and look at all, all sides. I think, though, that um, what we all know is no one wants to end their life in an emergency room and mm-hmm. intensive care hooked mm-hmm. up to a million yeah. things. And it is a, it's not only uh, a situation that many people find themselves in that is painful for the family, but it's also so expensive to our society. Yeah. And it certainly is controversial. I mean, it's very yes. difficult to get a conversation going on that, which you don't have two very distinct sides. Another issue that uh, certainly is applicable to uh, the older generation is the issue of dementia. And we have a call on that subject from Susan calling from St. Louis. Let's get her into the discussion. Go ahead, Susan. You're on the air. Hello. 
Don. I'm very much enjoying the program. Great. Um, I have my mother coming to live with me uh, from another state this week, and she's 88. She has the beginnings of dementia, but she's a very social person, was the director of the public library, <laughs> and I'm retired, too. And I would like to know if Oasis has things that we could participate in with early dementia. Paul, do you want to take that? Absolutely, yes, and that's a fabulous question. I mean, one of the things we know about dementia, especially early-onset dementia, is that being socially active, being engaged in learning, and being engaged in exercise has a, a great effect on forestalling some of the effects of dementia. So not only do we welcome someone who's having some early-onset dementia symptomology, we, we think that participating in OASIS and being more active physically and intellectually will help forestall some of those effects, and there's evidence to, that shows that. Keeping what kind of programs would be best? I mean, I, it really depends on, you know, what, what, what your 80-year-old mother um, can do and also what her limitations are. I would suggest doing a matter of balance class, Tai Chi is fall prevention, going to the women's discussion group where she can hear and talk to other people who are discussing topics that are really relevant to, to people her age. Um, you know, increasing the social network, increasing her movement, increasing her confidence about movement are all really important at this stage in her life. I think also programs that uh, involve music uh, are very helpful to people who are uh, on early stages of, uh, well, in any stage of Alzheimer's. People respond to music. So I agree with Paul. But anything that is stimulating intellectually, even if people can't participate a great deal, there's a value in being in a group and, and listening. And we are starting a partnership with Craft Alliance in the fall to do some work with three-dimensional art. I would love to see some older adults who have mild cognitive impairment and have early-onset dementia do some work with their hands because there's evidence that that is stimulative in a really productive way as well. We have a caller who wants to get into that part of the discussion. It's Nick from Webster Grove. Nick, uh, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yes, I was just going to say there's a children's museum up in upstate New York, and it's the Eric Caro Museum is a famous children's book author, and they have connected with uh, having art therapy for older adults that you know, drove drove to the driven to the uh, the museum, and then they do art classes. and uh, I was just gonna, I thought the Oasis people might want to read about it and maybe get some more ideas. I actually have a follow-up question for you if you're still on the line. Um, we have centers in Rochester and Syracuse. Where exactly is the museum located? It's in uh, Massachusetts, like uh, an hour or so from Boston. Okay, very interesting. I mean, I think that's a tremendous opportunity. That's intergenerational. It's highly interactive. It's expansive. I mean, that that's a great program concept. I appreciate the thought. You're welcome. Reverend, yeah. do you have programs within the church such as this to uh, keep people busy and occupied? Well, uh, Don, what we're excited about is once I was at a, a, uh, a meal luncheon and I met Paul, I was very excited about it. I brought Paul to the church, and we wanted to have these things at the church because of our demographics. So we're looking to partner. This partnership is about bringing those not to our church but also to Jennings and the 27th Ward, our, our neighborhood. Go ahead. I thought you were going to say um, something, Marilyn. Go yes. Ahead. I, I went, the, the idea of partnership came up, and yeah. I just want to stress the fact that we have, what, 600 partners? 700. 700 partners around the country. Mm. 
we partner with and are sponsored by BJC, but we partner with a, a large, large number of uh, community agencies. And this is very exciting, the partnership with Reverend. But also, uh, we are expanding our partnership with Washington Medical School, and we're going to have uh, residents who are going to be helping us with our health programs in North St. Louis. And we think it's not only going to help our OASIS members, but um, it's going to be very beneficial for the medical students and residents to be familiar with this population. Many times, they only observe people who are ill in the hospital, and we want them to know the well mobile population and how to keep them that way. What sort of coordination or collaboration do you have with other chapters of the Institute across the country? We're close to 50 of them now, correct? So we, we have nine education centers, and then we have 40 other program sites, which could be iterations of intergenerational tutoring or our technology literacy program or our, our population health work. And so our, our relationship with the individual centers is their autonomous OASIS sites, just like OASIS in St. Louis, that do these three columns of programming. And then we have individual program elements with partnerships with school districts across the country, with libraries around technology literacy and other programs, and with, and with uh, health insurers and uh, and health providers. In, in St. Louis, our partner is, is BJC Health, and we, we are part of their community benefit arm, and they're very supportive of OASIS as well. And we have other hospital partners around the country. In terms of our relationship, uh, going back to my background in curriculum development, we have continued to develop curriculum um, such as the tutoring program and now the end-of-life program and uh, technology that we develop pilot test and then share with our network. Right. The, uh, the, the collaborative, collaborative part, do you take ideas from some of these other chapters in other cities and employ them here? Or have oh, you yes. Done that? Yeah. We get great feedback. I'll give you a great example. In, in uh, one, one, of our, one of our chapters has started a, a program where they work with the local fire department uh, delivering fall prevention classes because the number one thing that fire departments respond to are falls. And th this has been a wonderful program because it engages the firemen who really know the community. And, you know, what's better than having a fireman teach you not how to fall? You can, you know, I, I think it's really, they have great credibility. That's another reason to uh, maintain a high level of fitness, too, to keep that from happening. Absolutely. Because it is, it is potentially so very, very tragic. Reverend? Yeah, Don, I, I want to applaud uh, Oasis for being intentional because our community where my church is situated is underserved. And so when they uh, recognize the need for this area, I'm just very grateful for the partnership because uh, the seniors up in North City, North County need as much of these uh, activities and opportunities as other parts of the city that are that are able to avail mm -hmm. themselves of those. So I'm yeah. thankful for this uh, collaboration. We are, too. <laughs> We're going to have to wrap this up, but let me give uh, each of you an opportunity for a final thought. I'll start with you, uh, Paul. Uh, what do you want uh, the takeaway from this discussion to be? So I, I think of Oasis and since and, and the, the the incredible concept that Maryland created as incredibly expandable. So we're working on growth. We're expanding our tutoring program to Northwest Missouri. We're going to be in Kirksville and in several other counties. We are we are looking to expand programming to centers where they're not Oasis centers in partnership. And my my sense is that older adults are a growing population. And so the need for Oasis is only going to grow. Right. Marilyn? Well, surprisingly enough, we're the only program in the country 
that has the three-pronged approach, the total uh, look at aging. And I hope that uh, we are able to expand and that we become the gold standard and that we somehow impact society's vision of what aging is and what aging can be. And Reverend, the final word. Yes, I think anyone who is a leader or a pastor who's who is uh, uh, responsible for this community, they should see this community as a treasure trove of uh, wealth, mm-hmm. knowledge, and opportunity. And they also should also challenge the seniors mm-hmm. to be more than what the society is, is saying to them. All right, your final thoughts. I have a, a final comment I'd like to make. It's personal. I have a book coming out called Coming of Age. It's about getting older and the humorous side of it. We can't lose the humor, can right. we? No. Anyway, that, no. that'll be out in a couple of days. I'll be in contact with you guys about uh, maybe... Uh, we can't uh, wait. Promoting it somehow. <laughs> Thank you all so much. Thanks to uh, Marilyn Mann and Paul Weiss of the Oasis Institute for being with us and Reverend Roderick Burton of the New Northside Missionary Baptist Church. Great to see you all. Keep up the good work. Thank you. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.